Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, and everyone in between. This is the earliest podcast I've ever done. It's at the crack of 6 p.m., which is basically 8 a.m. for normal people because I go to bed around 5 a.m., 6 a.m. every night. And I know that sounds crazy, but I've been a bartender for 15 years. And with that kind of scheduling, I mean, when you get done with work at 3, 4 in the morning, you don't, like, let's say you had a 9 to 5 job. You don't go right to bed. You do stuff. You know, you go to the gym. You watch some TV. You wind down. Play with your dogs. So 14 years of that instilled in me. I just, I can't just slowly turn into a 10 p.m bedtime kind of guy that's just not who I'm gonna be but I did notice that doing these midnight sessions I would do these podcasts this is the sixth one I believe uh doing them at midnight I kind of a little juiced a little tired you know it's dark outside you're just kind of you've already exercised for the day I mean at least I have and you know you've walked your dogs you've done some chores I mean it's the pandemic we're not doing much but after physical activity I kind of chalk it up as, ah, that's, that's, my, that's what I did today, and I don't need to do any mental activity, and which is why I'm apprehensive about doing podcasts before I work out, because I'm like, there's something in my mind where I say, if I did something mental, I should take a break, and I don't need to do anything physical, so I don't want to be fat, and so it, I've always kind of done the physical first and not done the mental until later, and the mental suffers. Like my podcast partner, Morris, I send him all of these. And he said the one thing that I lacked in the podcast, the solo ones, is kind of an energy, a fire, you know, a passion about what I'm talking about. So while it's still light out and while I still got some, you know, juice in my nerves, that's, that's not a great term. Um, well, I still got some electricity in my veins. There we go. That's better. See, I'm firing on all synapses. I can, I can rebound on the fly. There we go. I couldn't do that at midnight. That'd be crazy. So I am trying to just gear it up a little bit and do something I'm passionate about. And what I decided to talk about today was when I was the minister or the uh, officiant for my friend's wedding last summer, because it meant a lot to me. It was really kind of an interesting experience. And it was something I was ill-prepared for when I first started, when I was first asked to do it. And by the time I did it, I kind of learned a lot about myself, about public speaking, and kind of about nerves and, you know, interaction with people and talking in front of hundreds of people at a time, just something that I wasn't very familiar with. So I figured I'd share the experience and see how that turned out on an auditory uh, podcast. So about a year and a half ago, my friends, John Smith and Courtney Murphy, I know it's the most basic names ever. It sounds like I made them up, but I promise those are their actual boring ass names. <laughs> uh, I guess their parents just weren't that creative. Although my name's Max Sanders. So it's not, that's not a stretch. I guess we all have boring names. Maybe people who have, you know, dull names kind of gravitate towards each other. Something to think about. I'm trying to think. I have I have some friends with some pretty creative names, though. I have a Jewish lawyer friend named Harley. I have a small brown cartoonist friend named Abbas. But everyone else is kind of basic. 
no, 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 there's there's some weird names out there. But I mean, I'll, I can't think of them off the top of the head. But those a boss is pretty fucking weird. So I'll take that. So theory disproved. But anyways, the a year and a half ago, I was in San Diego, uh, visiting them both, and they sat me down outside on their little porch, and they had this weird kind of lean back in their chairs, kind of they were gonna ask me something kind of big. It felt kind of godfathery. Like it was just going to be like a large request and you know, they were smiling. They had a bad poker face about it in a good way, but it made you feel nervous because you know, when your friends act kind of body language wise in a way you're not used to, you're like, well, what's going on here? I mean, what are they, what are the, what are they about to tell me? Is it good? Is it bad? Am I about to be, you know, uh, part of some tradition or some, new act that I'm not used to, or they're just going to sell me something basic and they were just yanking my chain. But they asked me to be the officiant for their wedding. And I had to almost close my mouth with my hands because I wanted to say no right away because I haven't done public speaking since I had to give a speech in front of my sophomore high school class called the sophomore speech, where we just picked a topic and talked for 15 minutes in front of people. And that was nerve wracking. And that was, it didn't go great. I did it on why tall people are superior to all the short people because I am tall. And it wasn't that well received, obviously, because, you know, that's a pretty fucking arrogant topic now that I think about it. But I was just thinking about something that I could be passionate and fun about and quirky. And I thought people would take it as kind of a farce. And people took it as me being, you know, snooty and kind of, uh, above the rest of the people but that wasn't wasn't what i was going for but i missed the mark completely so that just shows my public speaking skills that didn't resonate that i was joking or in jest so bad memories when it came to public speaking but you know these are my best friends i actually have my friend john smith's name tattooed on my right shin i got it during brunch uh like four or five years ago in chicago we just waited in line at this place called Bonga Room, which has the best Willy Wonka style, like white chocolate macadamia nut pancakes that look like melted wax candles. And I mean that in a good way, like, you know, that kind of like glistening, glazed, ridiculous, you know, cartoonish kind of food. And the line was really long and there's a tattoo parlor next door. And he wasn't with us, although he lived in Chicago. I was with a girl I was seeing at the time who was not the most stable and uh, another friend of mine who's in the music industry also you know wavers on the stability scale and a girl who was friends with the girl I was seeing also you know not particularly sane so when I gave them the idea that I was gonna get the tattoo they're like go for it yeah and I got you know a cheerleading crowd and I saw I think they said my name three times they're like Max 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 and if anyone knows me at all if anyone says my name three times I basically have to do whatever it is you want me to do because I am fired up. You know, that is high school football speech uh, kind of amplifying into me. So, well, that's how much I care about the guy, though. He is my best friend, and I love Courtney very much, too. I actually knew her way before John. We used to just go to concerts together in uh, college and just dress in neon rave clothing and, you know, just bounce around. And it's kind of funny that she ended up marrying my best friend. So small world. Of course, this is a couple I wanted to see married properly. And if they wanted me to, you know, 
solidify their marriage, then I was going to try my damnedest to do it. So after the initial reaction of being like, fuck, no, no way, uh, which I didn't say out loud. I said internally, thank God, because that would have been awkward. I said, I think I said at first in a wavering kind of voice. I was like, can I think about it? And I could tell, I could see, you know, when you see someone's eyes and like you can almost see the shrink wrapping of tears or like kind of the glass breaking and disappointment, like their eyebrows kind of kind of veer back into their head and like their face gets a little tight. That's kind of what I felt. And it was probably me just projecting, you know, my worst fears on them. They probably didn't react like that. But, you know, within 10 minutes, I'd convince myself, I was like, yeah, fuck it, I'll do it. Because, I mean, it was a year and a half away. Well, you know, maybe I'd be dead by then. Or maybe uh, they got married in Vegas before that. Or who knows? You know, there are a million things could happen. Just some dark, <laughs> some dark excuses for why this wouldn't happen. But uh, that was just off the top of my head. So nothing to read into it there. It's more for my therapist. Uh, again, I probably shouldn't have <laughs> said that I go to therapy. But fuck it, I do. It doesn't matter. I'm proud of it. You know, Jewish kid from the Northeast, it's like everyone goes to therapy by the time they're five years old because we all have some indeficiency. But anyways, I was excited and nervous to be a part of their wedding. So I decided at first to ignore it for quite a long time. I think I didn't do anything for eight, nine months because, you know, if you start putting effort into it, it starts becoming real. And then, you know, six to seven months beforehand i was like okay now i have to actually this is getting close i have to one become an efficient way easier than i thought you go to this universal life church website which is basically if you have a name and a pulse and i think 35 bucks you can become an efficient anywhere in north america except actually ironically one place it's a lot more difficult is las vegas because they have their whole you know drive-through wedding community so it's you have to jump through about four or five more hoops where you have to like apply a month beforehand, get the approval, talk to Clark County. I know because I officiated another wedding in Vegas after this, that was not actually legally an officiated officiated wedding because we didn't do the proper channels because it was a lot more difficult because it's the one place on earth where they're trying to monopolize that industry and make sure that, you know, just any Dick, Tom or Harry can uh, get in. So Got my got my officiant license, super easy. And then it was time to start writing the speech. And I started scouring the internet. And God bless, you know, all the websites because you could pick and choose a lot of things. There was set speeches given by different different people. There was comedians who gave you joke advice. Like the one the one joke that I loved, and I think it was the first I was pretty nervous, you know. I think my hands were like shaking as I was uh typing and trying to figure out where online uh, I could find some some help from someone. But the first speech I saw, I think the guy said, he was just like a low, uh, like a low profile comedian. And he said, if anyone has a reason why this couple should not wed today, please shut the hell up. And everyone laughed and I laughed and I was like, that's good. That's a good way to innocently fun break the ice and I can use that. So after that, I got kind of excited. I was like, oh, what other, you know, what other kind of fun things can I splice in there that'll make it unique and fun and uh, basically focus on Courtney and John. So 
you know, you found certain good declarative statements, you found statements about love, you put spliced in examples of, you know, them specifically, like that Courtney absolutely loves macaroni and cheese, or that John is terrified of spiders, you know, you just kind of, you basically, it's, it's kind of like you got this big bucket of Lego words, and you can kind of design, you know, when you're four or five years old, you just spray out all the Legos on your floor, and your mom steps on one, she gets really upset, but that's not the point, that you can kind of build anything you want. It's not like you were reading the instruction manual, you were like, oh, I'm gonna build a fort, and it's gonna be multicolored, and kind of just my vibe is going to be uniquely my fort or uniquely my castle. That's kind of how I felt about constructing this speech. And after like a couple of weeks of twi- like tweaking it and sending a lot of drafts to my dad and my mom, you know, I finally had it down to this tight seven minute speech that fit nicely on my notes app on my phone. And you know, at first I wanted to memorize it and just, you know, be perfect about it. But something about not having a safety net freaked me out. And what if you just go blank when you're up there? Because I'd never done this before. I was going to be in front of 150 people, of which I probably didn't know 75, 80 of them. So I don't know, just I wanted to have, you know, a break in case an emergency glass. I wanted to have, you know, a plan B. If you're just up there and you completely go you know, your mind goes blank or like you've been neuralized in men in black. I didn't, I didn't want to just stand up there and just, you know, be without any real words. Cause I'm not that great at improvising. Although slowly with these podcasts, I think I'm getting better, but again, there's no, there's no one here. There's no prying eyes. It's just me. And I'm still a little nervous. It's crazy. Like I should be as confident as humanly possible because this is, I could literally just throw this in the trash and no one would see it. It's not a big fucking deal. But still, a little bit of nerves in the voice. But slowly, I'm pushing them out. But back then, that wasn't even on my mind as a possibility that I could improvise or adapt on the fly. So I decided I'd read from, you know, my little notes in my hand. And I practice it over and over again, mostly in the shower. I took so many 20-minute long showers. It was crazy. And I would get down the cadence and I would get down the pauses for laughter. But there was another concern I had, and that was my tendency to sweat like a whore in church when I was in front of other people. For example, uh, three or four years ago, I was at my uncle's wedding, second wedding in Philadelphia. And it was a side of the family that we don't really talk to that much or know that well. And I think 10 minutes into, you know, the festivities, I just started sweating profusely. I'm talking like, you know, like rings of sweat, like concentric circles around the armpits. You know, your hair is kind of flopping down. It looked like I got caught in a torrential downpour that no one else, that everyone else somehow avoided. And that was just me mingling at a wedding-esque ceremony. To be kind of in the top billing part of the ceremony, that freaks the fuck out of me. So I had a plan. Uh, My gym had a sauna and I said, you know what? I'm probably going to sweat. I'm probably going to sweat a lot. It is in San Diego in summer months, of course. And it's going to be outside and I'm going to be wearing a suit, which also I'm not very comfortable with. I think I've worn a suit 
15, 20 times in my 34 years of existence, which is, you know, on the lower side. I wear shorts to work still, and I love it. And I wear sneakers and, you know, a t-shirt, bartender. So just a lot of factors thrown at me in the uncomfortability scale. So I needed to be prepared. So I decided 20, 30 minutes a day, I was going to go in the sauna and just sweat. And I was just going to get adjusted to being in that kind of swampy kind of state. Because if I couldn't prevent, you know, I can't, you can't, I can't invite 200 strangers to my house, to my backyard to stand and watch me do the speech in a suit every night. That would be, that'd be really difficult. I mean, I could probably bribe people. Like if I put it on some neighborhood watch thing that I was paying 20 bucks for people to stand for seven minutes in my backyard, but 20 bucks times 200 people, 400 bucks time for six months. No, I'm not doing that. It's my money. You stay away from my money, you neighbors. It's my money. Anyway, sorry, I get defensive about neighbors and money. <laughs> uh, although no neighbors really ever taken anything from me, but I feel like they all want to. They're all out to get me. That's, I mean, that's, that's sane to think about, think, right? But anyways, uh, so I was sweating every day in the sauna and slowly it was getting better. And actually I started digging the sauna. Uh, also cause it was fun to weigh myself afterwards cause you'd lose like two pounds in sweat or like two and a half pounds. So my tradition uh, would be get on the Stairmaster for 20, 30 minutes, watch like the West Wing or something like that. Actually had it timed pretty perfectly. The West Wing is 42 minutes and 35 seconds per episode. So I'd watch 20 or so minutes on the Stairmaster and then I'll listen to the other 20 minutes of uh, West Wing via pod, like via, you know, headphones, not bring in the screen while I was, you know, sweating away in the sauna. And I liked it. It was comforting because the, the West Wing, it's one of those shows where it's just all talking. So it's super easy to just listen to. You don't need a picture. You kind of, you get the whole vibe by just hearing everybody kind of go back and forth. It's almost like a tennis match of words. And it's just, just something that is, you know, it's comfort food for me. For some reason, you know, it's funny. I've never said comfort food is like an example, but like in three podcasts, I think I've used it as a term to describe how I'm feeling. Maybe it's weird, like the recesses of your brain, you kind of go to strange places you didn't know, yeah, you kind of, that were kind of, wow, I'm blanking on this, uh, that were your kind of safety net for when there's silence. You're like, oh, here's something that I know. Maybe I learned it when I was like five or six years old as a metaphor or analogy. And you kind of just keep churning them out. And I kind of don't, I don't want to have staples. I want to keep, I want to keep it fresh. I want to keep mixing it up. I want different words like lugubrious or gregarious or uh, discombobulated, you know, just fun words. I don't want to, I don't want to have, you know, the same five or six catchphrases or sayings. And this is all just stream of consciousness stuff. So it's interesting that you still reach for the common things that, you know, you know, you can say. You got to challenge yourself. You got to get out there. You got to like, this is like the speech. You got to do something that gets you out of your comfort zone. So maybe talking about this is getting the nerves out in the same way. Um, this is a mental sauna for me because I would, after I do this for 20, 30 minutes, I am gassed, which is weird. Cause I'm sitting in a leather chair staring at a computer screen and I get mentally kind of wiped like I ran a marathon. 
because working that brain, my, my job doesn't really do that very much because you know, it's bartending, it's muscle memory. I just have to deal with 500 screaming drunks, you know, but I serve the same seven or eight things and I give the same price points and make the same transactions probably three, 400 times a night over and over and over again. So it's more just, it's robotic rather than it doesn't, it doesn't tap into the creative mind in this way. This is not, this is, mo, I mean, bartending is motel, churning out motel art. This is Picasso, Picasso or Pollock. This is kind of improvisation and getting, getting weird with it. So I would hit the sauna, you know, every day. And I would say the speech in my mind and I would call my dad incessantly and say the speech out loud to him as I paced, which I shouldn't have been pacing because I, you have to stand still when you're giving the actual speech. So I'm not sure why I didn't put two and two together and realize, Hey, stand in one fucking place because you'd look like a crazy person <laughs> kind of going up and down the aisle as uh, you were trying to marry your friends. But uh, so finally came to the time and flew out to San Diego, fresh haircut, uh, you know, had the suit pressed, ready to go. And the night before, it's kind of interesting, you know, it's everyone's coming up to you and saying like, oh, are you excited? Are you nervous? And it's like, you just don't want anyone to talk about it. Just talk about anything else. Talk about the weather, talk about sports, talk about, I don't know, even like make fun of something or make fun of me. I don't care. Just like get me out of my own head. Crack a joke, crack a dirty joke, like a really dirty joke. That would, no one did that. I wish someone just came up to me and just gave me like one of those aristocrat jokes. That's just disgusting. But of course, everyone did the opposite and made me feel about 10 times more pressure. But you know, I mean, everyone's excited about a wedding and it's just what they want to talk about. It's just easy and fun. And they just, they, there was no harm behind it. So, the night before, you know, everyone else is drinking at the uh, rehearsal dinner and all that kind of stuff. I stayed away from all beverages of any kind because if I fucked this up myself, I wanted to make sure it was my fuck up. I wanted to make sure I was in the right mental state that I wasn't physically in any kind of uh, distress. Because, you know, when you're hungover, you have in the, the sun hits your eyes and you're kind of just squinting and you just feel dehydrated, your lips hurt, your brain isn't firing, your brain's firing at like 30, 40%. It's like, no, like John and Courtney deserve to get 150% effort from me. And that wasn't going to happen if I had a tequila shot or two, or even like a shitty Bud Light or something like that. Because once I get a drink in me, my brain instantly goes, oh man, you're drinking. Things are different now. No matter how many times I've drank, or you know, if only I have two or three drinks or more than that, my brain still reacts the same way where it's like, oh man, you're, you're in uh you're in a di altered state of mind. Like th this is a different world now. And nah, didn't want that. Even though, I mean, it would have been nice to relax. It definitely is nice to unwind and kind of have your brain unclench its asshole. But I decided for, it was best for me to kind of just go at this full sober. So the day comes, we're at the San Diego Botanical Gardens and pretty nervous, not like crazy, crazy nervous, but the whole uh, groom's party, uh, it was just drinking beers on kind of a putting green, getting ready. And, you know, they put the mic on me and I went over the speech probably three or four more times. And by this point, you're sick of the speech. It's just, 
you've eaten it's like you've eaten the same meal three meals a day for six months you're just you're tired of it like it's not funny or new to you anymore it's just word goop and you just kind of want to you want it to be expelled from your body at this point because you know you're not even sure if the lines are funny anymore they're just you've said the joke so many times it's like it's it's enough already so i wanted to just get it out in the world and just let it be so i get up there you know they tell me what to do they tell me where to stand and instantly when i stood up there and they start playing john and they start playing courtney's song and it's the song awake by tycho and it's this melodic kind of summery tropical very kind of peaceful almost spiritual kind of song that really kind of gets you in the mood for you know appreciating the people around you just there's a there's an undertone of love about it and i don't know and the sun hit kind of hit the trees in that moment as the kind of beat went on and i just took a deep breath out and i just knew everything was going to be okay and it was weird because i hadn't felt that way at all until that exact moment and that was 10 seconds beforehand so i mean all the practice all that kind of stuff i wonder if i even needed to practice that hard if just that moment was going to click regardless if uh no matter how prepared i was because it didn't feel like the preparation was the reason why i relaxed just that song hit and i saw the people that i loved that i was gonna you know officiate their wedding and that all these other people they weren't there to judge or anything like that they wanted they were rooting for me and they wanted me to do well so that the people that they love too could get married on this beautiful day. And the jokes went over really well. It was a tight six minutes, 36 seconds, something like that. And, you know, they got married and it was really cool afterwards. Uh, as they walked down the aisle, they played my favorite song, my favorite song, uh, Strobe by Dead Mouse, which I make, the bar that I work at, I make them play that as the first song every night that we work. And I also have Dead Mouse tattooed on me, you know, who wrote the song. Although I have a lot of tattoos of just a lot of random shit. So <laughs> I don't think I don't think the resonance of uh me having it tattooed on me is that big of a fucking deal. Because I have the I have the words high tattooed on me. I also have this tattoo means nothing tattooed on me, which is actually probably my favorite tattoo. But I digress. So went over really well. They kissed, they got married, we signed all the papers and, you know, everyone came up to me and was like, no, you did so good. And, you know, I couldn't, and also side note, didn't sweat at all. So thank you, saunas. They work really well. They definitely get you used to it. And now for the rest of my life, whenever I can use a sauna, I'm going to, because it's, it's fucking relaxing. It's like, it's a mental squeegee. By the end of it, you're kind of exhausted. You're a little euphoric. It's kind of like, it's like you're midway through a music festival and it's just like a peak of kind of joy and relaxment and also kind of just being exhausted from something. But uh, so the wedding went off without a hitch. I think I drank a beer as quick as I've ever drank any liquid right afterwards when someone handed it to me and then instantly relaxed and the rest of the wedding was just a big party. So it just goes to show that, uh, you know, these fears you have, they're not as scary as you think. It's the idea of it. It's you projecting into the future that this is going to be a lot scarier than it actually is. So kind of just try to stay in the present 
and not worry about worst case scenario that might happen, you know, down the road, just incrementally try to improve on, you know, the foundational steps to get you there. And then when you get there, just be in the moment. And if you fuck up, you fuck up. Usually if you're doing something that's risky, you're doing it around people that care about you or that people that want you to succeed. So just give it a fucking rest and just rip it. And that's my advice. And it has led me here to where I can now rift off with myself kind of an hour of just uh, of musings and thoughts. And that's pretty fucking cool. And I'm pretty stoked about where this is going to go in the future, especially when I get to podcast with my buddy MG about pop culture and sports and movies and just stuff I dig. But every once in a while I can reel back and make it, you know, personal and just pick something. I mean, who the fuck would, I would not think three years ago I'd write about wedding speeches and advice and what I went through to do it. This was not in my wheelhouse. I would have thought I'd say no, but you know, my heart said yes and my feet followed accordingly. So that's what I got. And I, I dig this doing this during the day. Like, kind of something about the sun's energy. It makes it, you know, brighter. You kind of feel more excited. You're more bush-tailed and ready to go. And I think that gets conveyed in the voice. And the voice is where the magic is in this industry. And I say industry, I mean just me talking into a microphone. <laughs> but like I said before, I'm going to sell these all, uh, you know, when I'm rich and famous from podcasting, I'm going to sell all these as kind of the the first editions. These are the Bruce Springsteen and Ashbury Park recordings. So if you're listening to this 200 years from now, future billionaire, you know, you're welcome. And this was made just for you. And for John and Courtney, who kind of got my, my uh, motivation off its ass and got me to speak in front of other people, which led to me speaking here. So it all comes full circle. Later.